Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad you've decided to join us again. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And today we have, well, for me, it's a young man. We have a young man, Todd Jim, but I'm sure he may not feel so young. (laughs) Todd has a business um, in Utah, and Todd has a family in Utah, and Todd has had an amazing experience here recently with faith, and Todd's going to tell us his story. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's it's an honor to be with you. I I listened to your podcasts and uh, just love it and gained inspiration from it. And just such a pleasure to be here with you today. Mm. Well, good. So um, tell us something about your background. Go ahead, Lynn. Yeah, I was just going to ask. You grew up LDS, you're generational. Tell us about your LDS background. So my family... um, uh, came across the plains with Mormon pioneers, and they were uh, they were uh, exhorted by Brigham Young to help. They were one of the original families that started the little town. Used to be little town of American Fork in Utah, ah. and that's where I grew up. My family were sheep ranchers, and uh, uh, I I've heard that that they brought a small little band of sheep across the plains with them. I've never been able to verify that, but that's what my grandfather told me. My dad told me. And uh, um, so, you know, my uh, my ancestry goes way, way back. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how many generations, but a lot. So you, you know, we lived in Alpine and they used to tell us that one of the mountains was a sheep mountain and one was a cattle mountain, right? And that there (laughs) was kind of this, always this war between the cattlemen. and (laughs) I don't recall that specifically, you know, but, uh, but there were, I mean, when I was a young man, uh, Utah was very different. Uh, It was, it was more, it was more, you know, agricultural you know than it is now you know yeah even when we moved there in 99 there were lots of open fields etc so so your family name is it chipman the folks who came across the um plains were chipmans yes yeah and uh and and they were one of the original families that that helped found american fork there were uh other families too but uh yeah, my my ancestry goes back to to American Fork, and that's where I grew up. It was American Fork, Utah. So, and when you say that, I always hear American American Park. Park. <laughs> right, that's what goes through my brain because that's yeah, that's right. And I remember right. from the locals. Oh my gosh. Okay, so your family has been in Utah generationally, right? Yes. yes. So always active in the church. You grew up active. Yeah. Yeah. My, my dad, my dad was an only child and 
he kind of had a negative experience with the church and he wasn't really active until the kind of the latter part of his life. Um, his, his folks were, uh, very into the LDS callings and they were never home. And, uh, you know, my grandpa was in the state presidency and Bishop Ricks and my grandma was involved in every civic minded thing that you can, you could be involved in from 4-H to scouts to, you know, to every community thing. Uh, she was always in charge of, uh, you know, the big celebration that American Fork had called Still Days. And, you know, she was just a very busy lady and she was never home. And uh, uh, so my dad, you know, he could have taken it or left it, you know. He just wasn't very active most of his life, but my mother very much was. And uh, we always attended church, you know, it was not an option. You know, we were, you know, that was what we, you know, there every time the doors were open yeah exactly yeah how many siblings in your family so i had i had two brothers that i never met one died of leukemia childhood mm. leukemia before i was born another one was hit and struck by a car and killed oh, so i had a brother wow. and a sister and i was the youngest of the of the pack okay you were the baby, yeah, I was the baby. Yeah. Yeah, so crazy. how did that um because those are pretty two substantial losses how do you see that affecting both your mom and your dad's kind of oh, spiritual I, views and connection with god and even the lds religion yeah that's even, a good question something like that you know it happened before i was born and so you know i wasn't really there when it happened but it um I'm sure it, it took a toll on them. You know, it, it either draws you together or separates you. And, um, you know, so, so either one or two things happen, either you, you know, it just bonds you and you, you know, you just hold tight to each other or it kind of separates you. I think in this case kind of separated them. They were never a happy, you know, unit together, you know, their marriage okay. was never, was never uh, what I'd call a, you know, a, a terrific marriage. Okay. They stayed together though? They did. Yeah. Hmm. Tell, tell them my father died. My father passed away in 1989. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's early. Yeah. yeah. He was 64. Yeah. So right. you were active your teenage years. You well, went on a Mormon <clears throat> mission. Yeah. So you know, my upbringing was, was kind of like, you know, kind of what I, what I call our family was kind of like, um, have you ever seen the show Keeping Up Appearances? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you have a different face in public than you have at home, you know, mm -hmm. and, yep. uh, and part of that, and I think this is really pervasive in the Mormon culture is you, there's a face that you wear out in public, you know, and at church and things like that. And then there's kind of a face that you wear, you know, when you're, when you're not, you know, and um, one thing that was really important to my family was status, you know, and, uh, and kind of being seen um, in, you know, at church and, and, uh, you know, and we were always in our Sunday baths and, you know, and, and had to be there and, uh, and it was it was really more about keeping that appearance up. Does that does that kind of make sense? Does, you kind of know. Oh, 
Well, that's Absolutely. standard <laughs> in performance-based religion, that, that's right? That's exactly right, yeah. yeah. That, exactly that right. their folks need to see you as doing all these good works and right. being these good, good people. We yeah. certainly do. Put together, no <laughs> issues, no problems. Everything's fine. We're fine. Yeah. He's fine. She's fine. Life's fine. We're great. Yeah. And, and, and I, think, I think what you do a lot in the LDS church is you, you, you kind of, you know, you kind of put a square peg in a round hole or a round peg in a square hole, you know, if something doesn't fit, you just kind of make it fit, you know, and, uh, or ignore it, it. or ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I did a lot. And, uh, and, and so, you know, like, like my buddies and me were always, you know, like, you know, wanting to, you know, skip Sunday school and, you know, go get something to eat or something, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, I just never really, you know, when I, at a young age, really felt connected to it. You know, I just, you know, I, mm-hmm. I grew up, I grew up in it. And then, you know, I just, um, you know, I, I went to church and, and there were times in my life where, you know, where I, I, I'd seek after like being active in the church because I thought that's what spirituality meant is that in, in the framology of the, of the LDS faith that it, you know, that, that that's all there was, you know, that, that if you, you know, wanted to be close to God, then you had to, you know, you know, have your temple recommend and then, you know, do your church thing. And, and, and so, you know, looking back now, I can, I can tell that, you know, that my life, I just never, I never was really, um, you know, had a testimony of it, you know, the way, the way I tried to convince myself I did. If that okay. Makes sense. So here's what I want to know. So did yeah. you and your buddies ever skip out of church and go someplace? We did all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, I can't uh, have made your mother happy. No, no. <laughs> well, as long as she didn't find out she was happy, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and looking back, you know, I, I, I wanted to please her, you know, mm-hmm. and um, um, I, I, I wanted to please and I wanted her to be proud of me, you know, so I kind of lived this double life mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, uh, um, it's, you know, I, I kind of did things to, to please her. And then when I, you know, when I'd, uh, when I'd be out with my friends and stuff, you know, we'd, we'd do things that weren't, you know, you know, that really that in like, keeping with the honor code, exactly. You know, <laughs> like, my friends were, you know, were, were kind of partiers and things like that. And that kind of got into that lifestyle because Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're living, when you're living for works, um, what you, what you do is you don't really have that peace. And so you, you never feel like you're good enough, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're always falling short and you're always reminded of it. And so, you know, after a while, I just kind of thought, well, what's the point really? And, you know, and I'll just kind of live the way I want to live. And so, you know, I, I, I was kind of in and out of activity, you know, never really what I'd say had a firm testimony of the church, but I, I wanted to believe it, you know, it's kind of like you, you put that square peg in a round hole, you, you want to, you want to accept it because that's your culture and that's your ideology. And there's a lot about, the church that you know all your friends are lds all the all your relatives are lds you know when you're born in the church like i was you know so 
you know, all these relationships are inter intermeshed with other people. And so like when you, when you're in the church, you know, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, associating with other church members. And, and so your whole life is kind of centered around the church. And when I was a young man, you used to go, when I was just real young, you used to go to four and a half hours of church on Sunday, you go to, you go to an hour and a half of priesthood in the morning, you know, or primary or whatever. And then you go come home and then you go to another hour and a half of Sunday school. And then you come home and then you go to, you know, in the afternoon, you go to an hour and a half of, of sacrament meeting. And so, you know, it was a big commitment of time. Then they changed it sometime later to a three hour block. And then most recently a two, um, but it was, it was all about, you know, um, you know, this thing of keeping up appearances, you know, kind of living this double life, you know, doing, acting one way with friends, another way with family. And, and it takes a toll on you after a while, you know. So yeah. how did you find your way to a mission? Well, there again, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like in the church, it's kind of like, um, it's expected of you, you know, it's expected of you. And I, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I wasn't worthy according to the LDS standards of going on a mission when I went and, um, and I, I, w I decided to go, I had my farewell and, you know, and, uh, I, I went on my mission and I was, I was, I was sitting in this meeting and there was a, I won't tell you this guy's name. He was a member of the 70 at the time. I think he's long deceased, but he, he was, um, he was giving this dissertation or lesson on personal worthiness. And, uh, I was okay. feeling, I was feeling the pains of hell, you know, the hounds <laughs> of hell on me, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, and so I, after this, uh, after this, you know, after this uh, lesson that he'd given in church, I made an appointment to go speak with him. And, you know, I told him that, uh, you know, that I really, you know, kind of gone for maybe the wrong reason. And, and, you know, that I really wasn't, you know, according to the LDS standards, you know, worthy to be there. And, and <clears throat> he did something that, you know, that I just kind of disagree with. And, uh, and now it, it makes me a little bit, you know, I kind of, I think they, they handled it wrong. He says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to call your state president and we're going to see if, you know, you can even continue your mission. And in the LDS oh, culture, wow. yeah, in the LDS culture, it's like, there's so much shame and, and so much, um, you know, in, uh, in coming home early. Yeah. And right. it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, everyone knows and everyone talks about it and and you know it's you know and so I was really I was really sweating it and he made me sweat it for three days you know and uh and he, he you know he kept called me back in he says well you know as long as you'll you know do the things from now on and you know we accept that you know you've you know you've repented sufficiently and we want you to stay on your mission but you know, looking back, I don't think they were ever going to send me home. You know, I, I just think that that was, <laughs> that was a pressure tactic. That was like, yeah, okay, let's get this, let's get this guy in line. Okay. And man, so that, 
Go Does ahead. that mean you lied to your bishop when you had your worthiness interview? Oh, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. That, and, it does and, happen. And, you know, yeah. I, I shouldn't have done that. I mean, I, I shouldn't have gone. I mean, looking back, you know, I'm, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot wiser now than I was then, you know, and I, I shouldn't have done that. I, I shouldn't have gone for the wrong reasons, number one. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like it's expected of you. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's what, you know, 19 year old boys did. Mm-hmm. You know, you, and uh, and so I I just thought, well, this is, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do, you know, and I didn't really, you know, I, I when I read your son's book, Micah's book, how he prepared for his mission, I thought, wow, what a contrast to, you know, to how I prepared for it. And uh, he was, you know, obviously he he learned that uh, that that the LDS church and the way that he believed was was not you know, was not correct, but at the time, you know, I shouldn't have done it, but, um, but really uh, what, what are your options though, as a 19 year old, if you want to advance in the system, if you want to, even in the future, be considered a good, worthy LDS person, you kind of do these things, you perform whatever it is you have to perform Mm -hmm. and you kind of hope that, well, maybe the feelings of the motivation will catch up eventually. Right because it's the performance that really matters, right. not so much the heart motivation. And, and, and there again, it's, it's the whole keeping up the appearances thing. I mean, I'm sure yeah. if, if, some of my, if some of my extended family, like cousins and things like that, were to hear this and they look at my family, they go, they'd probably scratch their head. They'd probably go, well, that's not, that's not the family that I knew. But there again, when you're really good at keeping up appearances, then other people don't really know, you know, what it is that you're, what it is that you're going through. Does, does that kind of make sense? And so you, you kind of hide to the world what, what, what is really happening and what is really going on. And so the truth is usually out there somewhere, but it's, you know, it's not pervasive. So I want to bring something up because Please. when we were LDS, we were taught that the bishop had the discernment to tell, right? If you were lying or not, the bishop was supposed to know. I think I've heard that. um, Whether your testimony was real. It was part of the reason why before I became a BYU professor, a general authority had to pretty much interview me and hear my testimony and then determine because he had the powers of discernment, right? So so in the LDS system, things always work the way they're supposed to be because the priesthood can discern these things. Right. But what I learned over many years of being Mormon, that the priesthood often did not discern these things, right? right? Right. So people would say to me, well, you you left the church, you never had a testimony. Well, are you telling me that that general authority who vetted my testimony doesn't have the power of discernment, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Right. Those are are good questions to kind of point out. Right. Okay. That's a really good point. Where'd you go on your mission then? I went to Montana. Oh, Montana. interesting. Yeah, not very far. Not very far. Yeah. Uh, I went to, it was called the Montana Billings Mission. It was all of Montana and about half of Wyoming. And I never was in Wyoming. I was just in Montana. So was that, um, was that mm-hmm. mission calling a relief or a disappointment? 
mission calling when when they yeah to montana so was was it a relief that you kind of stayed closer was it a disappointment oh man i didn't get to go to brazil or (laughs) kind of wanted to go foreign my brother went to italy oh wow and he was really he you know he's passed away now he had a a brain tumor and passed away three years ago but uh he was he was really gifted with language you know he went to uh he went to italy and picked up italian and he learned german and he learned you know, he learned a little bit of French and he learned, you know, a wow. lot of different Spanish and a lot of different languages. And, and, uh, and, and you know, it, it was, um, I was a little bit, I was a little bit, uh, you know, but I, I have this love for Montana, you know, uh, now, and I've been back several times. I used to have a friend that live up, lived up there and we'd spend, we'd spend, uh, you know, I'd spend a week up there every year. And, uh, so I'd go back to Montana and, have fond memories and it, it's a really beautiful place mm, and uh, yes so you know after i got there and you know i i really really loved montana you know so i didn't really feel like i was like i was gypped or anything like that but at first Good. i kind of wanted to go foreign yeah so word to the christians here many of the lds missionaries that go out i believe <laughs> don't necessarily know or embrace their faith a thousand percent, right? Right. Even though they have to keep up appearances, certainly when they're going to homes and teaching the gospel, but what a wonderful opportunity for Christians to invite them in and have a conversation with very young men who really know minimal about their own faith and know nothing about Christianity, right? Exactly where I was. Uh, I got, I got invited in, I kind of was alluding to this uh, before the interview started, but I was kind of telling you about this experience. I had this experience where we went to the home of a pastor and it was very much mimicked a lot of uh, what, a little bit, what Micah went through on the mission. And and this pastor invited us in, I'm going to read you a scripture that he, he read to me and I've always remembered this. And, still uh, remember oh yes oh yes um it was in it was in the book of titus and um uh, paul had written uh, a letter to titus and he had asked him to um to gather up elders and it lists in uh, titus one mm-hmm. uh the the qualifications for elders and mm-hmm. he he read this to us now an elder in the church you know was typically an older person and he was someone that had been around the block a time or two and he he was someone that had a lot of wisdom so i'm going to read this if that's okay in biblical faith yeah mormonism that's correct pardon me yes i should have clarified that but uh yes in biblical faith an elder was someone that was was someone that had some experience a little bit older person hence the name elder um and it says in titus 1 uh, and this is what he read to me. Uh, for this reason, this is Paul talking. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you may set in order the remains and appoint elders in every city as I direct you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, a husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach of God's steward, not self-willing, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not perjurious, not fond of sordid gain. That's a qualification for an elder. And I had a badge that said Elder Chipman. And uh, 
And so he looked right at me and he, he knew the answer to this question. He <laughs> said, are, are you married? <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, then how can you be an elder? And I, I didn't know. I really didn't know. And, you know, going back to the square peg and a round hole, well, we have modern revelation today, going back to the LDS side. We have modern revelation. We have a prophet. Just because it was true in biblical times doesn't mean that it's necessarily true now. And that's how that's how Latter-day Saints get around biblical passages that don't conform to their beliefs, such as grace. And I'm going to talk about grace a little bit later, but good. Uh, um, and that'll you know, probably have to be in the next episode. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we're we're close to time for this one. Okay. So right. um yeah, Lynn, how do you want to have how do you want to have Todd wrap this up and then lead us in? Because I'm I'm fascinated to hear his take on Grace, how we got exposed to it. Um Well, you served a full time mission honorably. Yes. Released I, I honorably. I was a year and a half. They changed the missions to a year and a half while I was on my mission. Okay. And they changed them back to two years. About right. Now. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, next time we're going to talk to Todd about whether he found a worthy spouse, whether he was married in the temple and um, what his adult life was like in the Mormon church. And then what in the world happened to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to change your life. That's the exciting part, right, Joel? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, well, thank um, you for this glorious conversation. Well, Grace yeah. and peace to you, friends. Until next time. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.